we've got to stop thinking in these terms of failure as some kind of stroke of our ego that our idea is super brilliant and just can't be stopped. Welcome to Confessions of a Working Writer, the podcast where we are honest about failing, dropping the ball, letting down the team, and coming up short. I'm Matt Hampton. I'm a working writer, and uh, this podcast has always sort of been about me as a a 40-plus-year-old, 41-now-year-old writer, uh, trying to make something happen. Because we have this kind of mystery around the idea of living as a creative and working as a writer, And that's a whole thing. Like, it's a whole deal. So today, I kind of have to make... I got to start the episode with a confession. It's not the world's easiest confession. Maybe not the most fun. But it's definitely a confession I need to make. And the show's called Confessions of a Working Writer. So it feels like something that, that we should talk about. So let's get right down into it, shall we? I'm a failure at life. True facts. By any established metric, my life is a massive series of failures and setbacks. Um, I, I mean, we can go from anywhere you want to go. I'm not a billionaire. I own no property. I've been divorced twice, and, and frankly, probably for fairly good reasons. Um, my car is, yeah, I drive a little Kia Soul with a bunch of miles on it. Um, I guess I was in better shape at one point in time. I'm kind of, you know, kind of soggy around the midsection as I get older. They call it dad bod. That's what they call it now. I'm getting old, guys. Um, yeah, I've had some moderate success as a younger writer and throughout my life, but I've really never struck it big. You know why? Because I'm a failure at life. That's it. Bottom line. Oh, and by the way, I'm completely and totally okay with it. But Matt, how can you be okay with being a failure at life? How can this be okay? How in the world can you be good with that, Matt? Really? I'm a failure at life, guys, and I'm okay with it. It sounds defeatist, doesn't it? It just does. It really sounds defeatist. But what if I told you it wasn't? What if I told you that like, maybe the secret to winning is to admitting when you fucked up? I know, it goes counter to the narrative, right? The narrative in personal and professional development is the Thomas Edison narrative. That's what I like to call it. And I'm not going to dive super deep into Edison, right? Because Thomas Edison was kind of a bastard in a lot of ways. And when you really do the deep dive on his history, you find out that maybe, you know, if you want to represent yourself as the honest, brilliant genius, then replicating a guy who bullshitted until he can figure stuff out isn't the best way to go. But I do want to focus on the narrative, which is that when Edison was asked, as the, as the legend goes, when Edison was asked, you know, how many times did you, you know, 
did you fail making the light bulb or whatnot? He references that he didn't fail. He just found 10,000 ways that didn't work. Right? And this is the personal professional development mindset, this entrepreneurial logic that failure is a step forward, right? They call the concept failing forward. Every failure in your life is a step forward, right? And it sounds good. Like, I can't lie. It's a nice framing. It is. It's a really nice framing. It definitely cushions the ego a bit. It does. It totally does. Um, it's the same thing as like celebrate the little victories. Now, I want you to hear me out when I say I'm a failure at life and, and I, the concept I'm trying to open up about today. I'm not talking about, ha ha, you believe in, you know, you believe in, in failure being a positive thing and I think you suck. Like, that's not where I'm going. Right? But the problem with that Edisonian kind of narrative that we've built, this idea that, that like, oh, I found 10,000 ways that didn't work, <laughs> but I'm still winning. Sometimes you're not. Right? Sometimes you're not winning. So I've kind of introduced this Edisonian idea, right? This this idea of, of Edison's like 10,000 ways to, to do it wrong and now I've succeeded and here we are failing forward, moving forward. Yes, always intrepidly daring onward with our big, hairy, audacious goals or whatever. But I need to bridge the gap to what I'm meaning. So let me bring in my story. Let me bring in my confession on this issue. So years ago, like 12, 13, maybe even 14 years ago. The memory's getting fuzzy. Um, I was a younger writer. I was in my late 20s. I was, you know, a little bit of an asshole. And that's probably an understatement. I'm probably underselling there. But I was a little bit of an asshole who, who firmly believed that my writing success, the moderate success I'd had as a younger playwright, should be better recognized. Now, here's the funny thing. I was actually doing the work. I was writing poems. I was doing some open mic stuff. Nothing like super glamorous, but I was involved in doing the work and writing the words. And in theory, could have been good with what I was doing had I not had my head shoved firmly up my ass. But instead, I decided, hey, I need to be known. You must know the name of Matt Hampton. How do you not know who Matt Hampton is? And other people around me were known. Not necessarily for anything I wanted to be known for, but they were known in their fields. So I started going, well, I was known as a playwright. I should be known as a playwright. So, as luck would have it, because the world will fuck with your ego, uh, I, had, I had an opportunity presented to me uh, to work at a theater as, as a dramaturg. And a dramaturg is, is basically a little more technical than a playwright in residence. Um, I'm, I'm keeping it really simple, guys. There's a lot more to it. If you're drama people and you're like, Matt, you're selling it short. Yes, because not everyone knows what it is, and I'm not doing a 45-minute explanation of the difference between a dramaturg and a playwright in residence. I worked at a theater and a consultant on matters of, of playwriting and, and of working with scripts. I was also in the military at the time, but, but this was how I scratched that ego bug. And, I mean, we did good work. I don't want to shit all over the local theater or, or myself. Like, we did do some good work. And then the opportunity for to, to work in the youth theater program came up. And, and here's where some bullshit from me came from. Because I was now teaching youth theater, which is fine. I've, I've actually been a teacher at multiple times in my life. I'm oddly pretty good at it. But it was... Uh, 
I was there working as the youth theater guy, and here's where it got ugly. I was writing my own scripts. Yeah, yeah, I was writing scripts with no editorial board over me. No nothing. I, I, whatever I wrote, like I would sit down at the computer, bang it out, there were the pages, and here we go. Like some odd old Hollywood studio film system. It really was. It was very weird. And the plays were crap. Like, we're not going to go into real huge depth. Like, I wrote some garbage. They're easily some of the worst pieces of trash I've written. They really are. The kids did their best to work with the crap that I handed to them. And you couldn't have, look, I could go back in time and tell myself, Matt, these are crap. And, and Matt, in his late 20s, would have been like, you just don't understand. Everything I do is art. And then I would have been forced to kick myself firmly into the testicles. Because um, that's that's who I was in my late 20s. Because I had this pride, this fucking insane hubris. Like, somehow I was owed because I was such a successful visionary artist. Couldn't you see it? Now I was a successful visionary artist writing hot garbage. I mean, dude, I, I, I'm sure I have a copy of that script saved somewhere on this computer. And I'm, I'm so nervous to look it up. It's one of those things where you're like, I don't want to see it. Right? Like, you know, maybe you did it. Maybe. Yeah, I, I think it would be the equivalent, I guess, of me if I was like in my 20s and had done a spread for like Playgirl magazine. And I'd be like, no, I don't want to see it now that I'm 40. Uh, you know, I'd like to think better of my decisions. I don't know. Like, I'm waiting for the email about nude about nude calls, guys. Like, it's okay to nude model, Matt. I agree. Um, just not for me. If you'd see me naked, you'd know why. The, the point is, I wrote crap. I wrote crap. And why did I write crap? Because I thought I was awesome. Because I thought I was on top of the world. And I just wasn't recognized enough. Because, pause for effect, I hadn't admitted I was a fucking failure at life. Yeah, oh shit, there's the kicker, huh? There's the connective tissue. Yes. You see, the problem that we have, so many of us in, in creative endeavors and in entrepreneurial endeavors and in all of our assorted pursuits, is that we get so in love with our fucking ego, so in love with the positive self-talk that we pump into ourselves, that we believe firmly, 100%, that everything we do is fucking brilliant. Everything we do is great. Dude, I have worked for people who really believe, like deludedly believe that the shit they're doing is brilliant. I was there. That's how I can tell you that they're deluded because I was there. So I came to this conclusion that I'm a failure at life actually over the summer, right? It was after finishing season two of Confessions of a Working Writer, shortly after season two wrapped that I, I realized I'm kind of a, of a failure at life, man. Like I was looking at friends on social media and there they are with their two and a half kids. Don't ask me how they get the half. They're two and a half kids, the white picket fence, the dog, they're professors. They're talking, they're shaking hands at networking events and wearing ties and they look awesome. And they, they have things they do and they're showing you those things and, and their social media feed is rife with, as I like to call, the lifestyle porn. Oh, look, food. I should take a picture of it for the peasants. Right? You know the ones I'm talking about. Like, we get into this frame of mind, right? The world is taught. The self-help industry thrives on this bullshit. You're not a failure. You didn't fuck anything up. You're brilliant. You're wonderful. You're awesome. You're amazing. 
every little setback has just been a tiny little bump, a tiny boo-boo on your road to abject fucking genius. Nothing sucked. And so, since nothing you ever did sucked or you didn't fall out of love with anything, you end up in situations like I did where I had stopped writing plays for a reason. I just It just wasn't really the thing I wanted to do anymore. Like, it was great. I learned a lot of good stuff under it. I might still write a play script every once in a while now. But, like, I had different story ideas that just, frankly, don't get expressed through that medium. And at the time, I really wanted to work more on writing poetry because poetry, and at that point in my life, I was writing poetry not because I thought I was going to be the poet laureate of the United States, but because I was taking time to really dive deep and hone my craft and learn language. Right? And here's another list of failure I made. I got too in love with my name in fucking lights. And as a result, as a harsh result, I was writing crap instead of working on writing better poems. 100% true. I'm not too proud to admit it. If you're too proud to admit when you fucked up as a writer, you need to get out of this line of work stat. Like, really quickly, you need to get the hell out of this line of work because it's not for you. It's not for you. This will not work for you. Right? I have screwed up massively. My resume is a weird, odd jigsaw puzzle of shit. I have expertise in some incredible areas that you wouldn't guess. I mean, I had a good military career. It wasn't brilliant. I left before retirement. I never attained the highest rank levels. I promoted a little faster than average, but nothing to burn the world down. I was not G.I. Joe. I did not kill Cobra Commander. I had a decent sales career. Uh, I mean, at the start, I actually was producing pretty good at the start, but I didn't love it. And and because I didn't love it, and I was still stuck in my own fucking hubris, in that fucking pride and hubris, I just... I stayed way too long, way longer than I needed to. Yeah, I bounced between careers. I did stuff... I wrote a blog that, that got me back into writing, God bless it, and taught me short-form blog writing. And I fell in love with the success of that blog. And again, hubris got me. Now, I sit down and I write and I do my work. And I think about my work. I don't worry about when my novel will sell, how much my novel will sell. Oh, I'll be a millionaire. It'll be great. I don't worry about that shit anymore. I just work on the work that I want to work on. Because admitting that I'm a failure at life, when you admit that you have fucked up super bad, you have divorced yourself from hubris. You can't be that damn prideful if your face is in the mud. You can't. You can't be that damn prideful if your face is covered in the mud. And if your face is covered in the mud, like just you're dirty, you're down there, you can't stand up, you're broken, you're bent over, good then what's the loss of trying something? I'm a fuck up at life. I'm a failure in a whole lot of its regards. No one's going to look at my life on paper and go, holy shit, Matt's life is awesome. Ching, winning. No one's saying that. But because no one's saying that, what's the worst that can happen for me working on my novel? Think about it. What's the worst that can happen for me working on my novel? What, it sucks? And that changes what? Oh, Matt's novel really sucked. Okay. Well, welcome to Thursday. Right? It doesn't matter. 
I'm free to try. I'm free from worrying every time I write a word. Oh, God, will they like this one? Oh, God, will this be enough? Holy shit. See, you read, when you hear writers talk about having released a first really successful book, you should read them talk about writing the second one because, boy, they will tell you the pressure is insane because you had a big book and everyone expects the next book to be a big book. Right? Success, this idea that I'm an undiscovered genius, that I'm brilliant, builds up these expectations that cripple you in getting shit done. Right? And the military used to call these come-to-Jesus moments, when you just sit down and go, yeah, okay, um, this is all fucked. How do I fix it? And then you work on trying to fix it. You acknowledge the situation screwed up, and you just move forward from it. I can still sense some skepticism among my audience, so I kind of wanted to share from the life of Dr. Seuss. I'm serious. I've been reading a biography on Dr. Seuss because I think that you should read about people like Dr. Seuss. Like, I really do. You know, 100%. I get that he's, he's different, but, you know, if you want to read the same book, it's Becoming Dr. Seuss by Brian J. Jones. He also read a really good biography on Jim Henson, but... I wanted to read about Dr. Seuss because Seuss had a really long career. He has some odd contradictions in his art and in his personal views. And, and there's some interesting stuff. And he spanned a really tumultuous period. And I just wanted to learn about the guy. And I walked in reading that book thinking that Dr. Seuss had always been a children's writer. He was ready because he's Dr. Seuss, dude. Like, I'm only 41 years old. His books were already huge when I was a baby. Like, he's Dr. Seuss. Clearly, this is what he wanted to do. It's not. It's not. He wanted to write the great American novel. Never did. He wanted to write films. Mm, he had some success in documentaries, then he wrote an original script, and the whole studio system fucked it over, and it was, whoo, yeah, yeah, it was a failure. See, during those times when Seuss failed at things, he was just looking for some kind of outlet, and that outlet proved to be an exemption in a marketing contract, because just like me, he was earning money in marketing. And the exemption was children's books. And so he started writing children's books. And again, he didn't come out the gate. His biggest, most successful book was 1960. And he was writing in the early 40s. True facts. To think that I saw it on Mulberry Street was in the 40s. It was a modest success. Modest. Very modest success. His best-selling book, Green Eggs and Ham. Best-selling book of all time, 1960. Almost 20 years later. The Cat in the Hat was a couple of years before that, like 1957, right? Like, so, Seuss, huge name, right? Most writers I know would love to have a career of that kind of scope and reputation. He moved forward by admitting he failed. Did you know he uh, was a shitty student? Yeah, it wasn't that great. He got out of Dartmouth with like a 2.4 or something. Then he managed to get his way to Oxford. He totally squandered that opportunity. But he just admitted it wasn't for him, right? See, that's the power in admitting when you fail. That's the power in admitting when the chips are down. There's nothing to worry about, right? Hey, Matt, how'd your NBA career go? I suck at basketball. Oh, God, that's got to be hard. Not really. I don't spend a whole lot of time on it. You see what I'm saying? When you let that other stuff go, you're free to do the things you want to do. In this era of, of catered social media lifestyle porn, we're all too damn obsessed with being successful. 
Do I have the right significant other? Do my pictures look right? Am I in the right career? Am I about town? Am I doing things? Did I put up the right motivational quote on a Wednesday morning? Like, it's, you know, it's a thing. But it can be better. Because we can let go of our failures. We can stop covering them up or pretending that they don't hurt. Oh man, I look back on those kids' scripts and it, it pains me that I was in that place, but I can learn from that pain. By the way, that's what they mean by failing forward. They don't mean, well, Matt, those scripts were going on to make you a better writer. No, those scripts took away from me as a writer. They 100% truly did. The lesson came when in, I was in my 40s, like over a decade later when I'm able to look back at them and go, wow, yeah, okay, I really, I really did something to myself as a writer I'm not super happy about. I kind of squandered some opportunity there. Wish I played that differently. And before you go, well, see, Matt, see, you failed forward, so it works. Right, but I had to look back on it and acknowledge it as a failure. I don't know why we're so concerned about that word. Look, I'm a failure at life. This isn't a system, a symptom of depression, some kind of idea that now I'm going into a, a downward spiral. It's not. It's just me admitting that I'm not a billionaire and I'm not successful at everything I touch. And that in point of fact, the thing that I'm really good at is writing. I'm, I'm really good at storytelling. I do a good job with it. Oh, I have a lot to learn. We all do. I don't think you ever really stop. But that's, you know... That knowledge came from admitting that I fucked up at everything else. Right? We get this Elon Musk-like obsession, this idea that we have to be geniuses in every way, shape, form, and fashion. And believe me, do enough reading and you discover Elon's really just good at tooting his own horn and bullshitting. Read his Hyperloop white paper. The man doesn't even understand basic physics. I'm not kidding. I'm dead serious. But we all want to be out there because he's a genius who does everything. He's the smartest man in any room. He's not. The problem is he can't admit failure. So he's got to keep being that guy. And I promise you, one day when it comes crashing down, oh, and it will, because schadenfreude is a bitch. It'll be tragic and probably a little entertaining. So if you're a writer, if you're creative, if, if you're... I mean, you know, I think about some of the addicts I know who listen to this. Like, this this show has a small following of recovering alcoholics and drug addicts. And, you know, I get it, because the quest to be a writer is kind of the same thing as the quest for sobriety. It never really ends, and it probably isn't as amazingly heavenly as you thought when you kind of get to those steps. You know, I think about that. You know, when you're going to admit that you had, when you're dealing with addiction, the first step is that you have to admit you had a problem and then you have to walk. I've known a, a couple of people who've walked through this path of recovery and you have to just deal with shit, dude. Like you just have to get into the nitty gritty of the shit you deal with. You have to own that you da, 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 have failed and not failed forward. You failed down. Because, guys, when you fail, that's what happens. You crash the airplane. You don't go, oh, oh no, no, I can still roll the wheel forward. No, the plane crashed, man. Take what you can out of the wreckage, move on, build something new. I'm a failure at life. 
And that's awesome, because I no longer have to be stuck with the hubris of being the greatest unappreciated writer of all time. I can just be Matt, a working writer working on a novel, writing some blog stuff, trying to get some things going, crafting some short stories, occasionally dipping into poetry or playwriting, because I just love writing. I can just be that guy with a modest podcast talking about this stuff. And it's okay, because I'm not a titanic fucking success. And when you're not a Titanic success, that's when you can celebrate the little victories. Because they count more. When you're just a modest success, the little victories count a whole lot more. So that's it. I'm a failure at life and I'm loving every minute of it. Now I'm free to go do this writing gig. It's pretty great. Think about it. If you failed something, you're just free to go do other stuff. It's cool. Anyway, I guess that's our time. Again, I'm Matt Hampton. You can find me on social media, and you can follow me on Medium, where I regularly post articles related to uh, my BS opinions or writing techniques or marketing ideas. I'm a man of varied interests. Not really. Uh, but you can follow me on any of those platforms. Um, I'm really excited for where season three is going. I think it's going to be great. I'm glad you joined us here. Um, special thanks to, uh, Baney Bryant Brunson and the team at Bearpaw Creative for the amazing Confessions of a Working Writer logo, as well as to Georgia Moon for the amazing intro and outro music to this podcast. I'm a big fan. So uh, I'm really enjoying it. I'm glad we can do a season three. I'm glad we keep improving and keep growing. Stick with us. More great stuff's coming. We're going to keep talking about, you know, things that I'm learning and observing, and we're going to talk to other creatives this season too. So until next time, I'm Matt, just a working writer, and this has been my confession. I'll talk to you all next time. Thank you.